Good morning again. I mean, this is pretty, I'm pretty excited. Murray and I have been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. I'm going to get to my right page. I've got my marker in the wrong spot. Murray, I don't know about you, but move that there. If you have your Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Is yours? Mine's falling apart. That's I good. need to get it rebounded. Let me ask you a question. This is, first of all, this is Murray Billingsley. If you're visiting with us today, um, we have a, a ministry here called Eagle Heights Christian Academy where we use education um, to help children um, grow. We want them to grow in, in wisdom and knowledge for sure in the things that we're educating them in, reading and writing, those things, but even more so in the things of Christ. And so Murray is our new head of school this yes. year. And today is a day where we are going to be um, praying for and talking over and, and, and just preparing the soil for our educators and our students. Saw a lot of them on stage already today as we go through that. So we've been talking about that. But if you don't know Murray... Uh, I love Murray because we were talking about this earlier. He makes me look like I'm a little bit calmer sometimes. And then I think I have the same effect. So if you want to, if you haven't got to visit with Murray before, um, man, talk about someone who can't hardly encourage you for a second without preaching, preaching scripture or talking about the Lord. Um, it's good. Murray, real quick, because everybody here hasn't met you. Just a few things. Tell me about your, your wife. What do you love most about her? She's right here in the second row. If you get this wrong, I'll know, but you won't. So look at me first. <laughs> watching you, Melody. She tells me I'm gonna... <laughs> so what's something that you love about your wife? Wow. What's there not to love? I Good love everything answer. about her. I mean, and that wasn't prescripted. We, I, didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what he was going to ask me up here this morning. But, uh, I mean, she's everything. She's, uh, God has given her to me, and she's my support, and my, she's, well, I mean, if I start talking about her, I might start crying. So I better, not, I better not say more than that, but I love her with all my heart, and she's just a tremendous blessing. And I guess the thing that stands out most to me is her beauty. She's yeah. beautiful. Amen. Amen. Good. You can encourage. He needs a little encouragement. Thank there. you. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, and you, you have kiddos, so tell me I about have, your boys. I have Micah, who's with me this morning. He uh, actually goes to another church, but he's, he's joined me because he knew I was up here and wanted to support me. And I have a son, Matthew, who is going to A&M, went to A&M yesterday. Whoop. Yes, that yes, was I, I'm learning to do One that. One second. If you're an Aggie in here, would you do that again? Whoop. Praise Whoa. Jesus. Wow. So, sorry about that. That was okay. totally self-service. Okay, yes, yes. Well, wow. I'm a husky, but, That's but okay I'm too. learning to be an Aggie. So, <laughs> yes, he's, he's there. So, Amen. me and the two boys. Amen. Um, Murray, you've been in education for a long time. How long have you been in education? 28 years. 28 years. Yes. That's good. 20, uh, this is my 29th. Before education, God prepared you with, for education. Yes. And you served a little time as a student pastor. Is yes, that right? Yes, I did. That sounds good. How, how in the world did God bring those two things together to show you that a heart for students in ministry and education was his, was his path for you. You didn't know any of this was coming. This is all free. It didn't. How, I didn't. How, how did you know those two things were moving that direction? Well, I didn't. Um, I kind of just fell into it. I think the Lord just really lead it, led me into it. Um, I got married and needed to make money. Mm. And I had a degree. And a school, the, the Lord just opened the door for me to begin teaching at a school. And I was a math teacher, so I, I, I was a math major. So I just started teaching math. And, and they said, hey, why don't you get certified? And I'm like, okay. And so I got certified. And the Lord just began to open the doors for me to be in education. So. Wow. Amen. And then yeah. for now him to be tying those two loops together. Oh, totally. Totally. The, the longer I'm in education, the more I see that, um, you know, without God, uh, uh, you, you really, 
lose sight of why you're doing it. I mean, he is the reason why we're teaching. He's the very foundation of knowledge. You cannot know without him. And so it, I just get real excited when I think about the fact. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 1, 7 that, that um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen. Knowledge starts with him. And it says yes. in Colossians that uh, in him all the treasures of knowledge are found. So um, the longer I've been in it, the more I see that it's really about finding God. You know, that song we sang just a minute ago uh, talks about um, I'm seeing his wonder. Open my eyes in wonder. That's education. That's really the purpose. That's why we're here. It's not just to get a job. You're made for more than just a job. It's not just to have a democracy. You know, God, that's a good thing. But, but God's made us for more than that. He's made us to know him and to love him. Yeah. And so... That's, that's what it's about. Good. We're not even to the sermon yet. I that's know. Good. <laughs> this is good. No, praise God. Sorry about that. No, no, keep it going. Okay. This is, we're in church. Well, that's what we see. In no the one's going to get so. on to you for preaching today. Okay. If you yeah. do, <laughs> we'll talk afterwards. We'll meet Nancy. No, you, it's so true. I, I think what I, ah, I just am most impressed about Murray, and I share this with people all all the time, is the Lord has he's it's obvious he has brought your story together mm. for his purpose and his mm. plan mm. and education is an avenue mm -hmm. for the name of jesus christ and the glory of god Amen. to be to be funneled Amen. through and so um, as we're talking today church in in deuteronomy 6 I, i'm going to be sharing a little bit and then i've asked murray to share his heart more intentionally on this passage as well um, and at the end of our service, we'll have a time of uh, response, but also time of praying over those of you who are involved in education and our students as well. It's going to be, uh, we, we believe, is a meaningful time. Yeah, we really want to encourage you guys today. I mean, we, this, the scripture speaks to all of us, but, but really it's a time when we want to encourage our teachers and our educators that are among us. Yeah, so. because if those vessels aren't there... We just have this quagmire. Yeah. I think that's what we see in the world. I was, yeah. I was thinking about that, and, and I did some homework. Since I was teaching with you next to me, I felt like I needed to say something a little bit, maybe a little bit smarter, more intelligent than <laughs> usual. So, so I was doing a little homework, thinking about the role of teacher and, and even in a parent, because I think God pulls us into play. And we have families in here. Some of you are, are teacher and mom full-time, and some of you are teacher and mom and dad, and you get assistance, however that might be, from different areas. Um, but I was reading about butterflies, okay? And so uh, I was reading about the monarch butterfly. I mean, you may know this, but I was amazed by it. I didn't know this. But a, a normal butter, monarch butterfly lives like five to six weeks, right? Maybe seven on a good life. And, and here's the amazing thing. They have a migration pattern. Mm -hmm. they, they like to live up north mm -hmm. when it's not too cold. And then when it gets, starts getting too cold, they come down to Mexico. And they, they used to come through Texas. We're starting to see some Why do they do that? There. So this is they interesting. They just know to do they that. They just know to do this. Here's the, the crazy They're thing. They're born is, knowing that. It takes five generations of monarch butterflies to get up north. Hmm. So there is wow. there's no butterfly hmm. that starts hmm. in the wow. south that makes it. To the north. What a great metaphor. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? See, so you know where I'm going today. with this. I do. I see the, it. These just pass on. Now, here's the crazy thing. Are you ready for this? This is amazing. I told you, this is my one intelligent thing, and then I'll, I'll leave this kind of mm. natural mm. nature wow. kind of thing. But here's the thing. It, it, the sixth generation or the seventh, if it takes six years, the generation to come back down, their lifespan is seven months. Mm. Interesting. Mm. There's physiologically enough, they're the exact same butterfly Five generations to go north, five to seven weeks of life. One generation comes back, mm. seven to eight months. Mm. 
In fact, mm. what our scientists are mm. studying, them, wow. we call them a super generation. And I thought, what an interesting thing to live a life knowing that I'm starting a journey. My whole job is to invest in other generations so that one day there will be a super generation that is able to continue this on. Isn't that amazing? I started thinking about what we're reading here in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bible, read verse 1 through 3 with me as we go through this. And we'll follow along together. Okay. The Bible says this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all of his statutes and his commandments, which I have commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Verse 3, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you the land, in a land flowing of milk and honey. When I started to think about this, and Murray and I were talking, I, I, I said, I, I, know, I know the gritty part of this that we love to read on is verse 4 through verse 9. That's the, this is so good, and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to hear more on that. But we often skip this setup when it comes into Scripture. Because before God says, we hear these words that resound through our faith, hear, O Israel. Or before we get into those words, hear, O Israel, listen up. God kind of cultivates and prepares the soil. And that's something that I don't want us to miss today. Is that God is calling us to be obedient to his command. That's what verse 1 says. He says, listen, this is the command I give to you. Do you know a command is not like an opinion? When my son and I, we worked five hours in our, in our front yard yesterday pulling St. Augustine grass runs. After it was over, we both agreed we want a house on a land of concrete. <laughs> because five hours of pulling St. Augustine strands was, was horrible. But you know, here's the funny thing. If I would have offered him like, hey, son, would you enjoy spending five hours of me, with me pulling grass in the front yard? He would have said, Yes, Father, I love that so much. <laughs> Jesus wants you. No! He would have said, no, I'm out, Dad. Thank you. Guess what I did? I gave him a command. I said, hey, son, grab a bag. You're going to join me in the front. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and he did in obedience. And, and what I started to think of, these things that we're supposed to pass down that we're talking about today and, and how it works, they are the commands of God. They're not opinions, right? Mm -hmm. Your opinion is what school you went to. So in my family, if I would say whoop, my dad would kick me out of the house because he was a Crimson Tide fan, ah, right? It wouldn't have worked. I know, I know. Pastor okay. Mike loves that. Patty's over there. So that, that's their heartbeat. <laughs> and they wanted to pass that, that down to us. And, and we did it. But that wasn't a command. That was his preference. And my mom's preference in their story. And their suggestion. God, on the other hand, gives us this direction. And it's not something we can take lightly. And he tells us to do something with this command. Look in verse 2. It says, you are to have this command that you may fear the Lord your God, you, your son, and your son's sons, by keeping all of his statutes and commandments that I've given you all the days of your life. You see, what we're going to talk about as we get ready for praying over our educators, and we want to encourage you is this, is the commands of God are not something that is simply for you. God is giving you and I a role to have a multi-generational view of his commandments. Just, just like the monarch butterfly, although better. 
I don't think God wants his commands to pass from you and I to create one super generation that will be a great historical document or revival for our history books. I believe God, in his sovereign grace in Deuteronomy, all the way to the New Testament, has said, I I gave my son to create a super people because they're my people, a people that fear the God. And uh, fear God. And how we pass that down has to be done in a very specific way. That's where verse 3 comes in. In verse 3, look in your Bible. Mine says about halfway through that it may go well with you. Excuse me. In verse, hear, O Israel, O Lord, be careful to do these things that it may go well with you. So the things that God is laying the foundation, he says, don't memorize them. He doesn't say, don't wear a t-shirt about them. He says, be careful to make sure that you are doing them. Be mindful. Don't do them by happenstance. Don't get lucky and let the commands of God just be evident in your life so that when someone says, man, I saw Jesus working in you, and you go, oh, wow, I wasn't even thinking about that. No, no, we want to be so careful with it. And, and there are so many things that we're careful with, right? My daughter's a senior going off to college. We're careful with their SAT scores, right? There, there are things, my kids, kiddos are in athletics. We're careful with our bodies. Yet scripture says, that's not what I'm talking about. And, and that's what, as you and I talk about, goes from moving from being a vessel, or from being um, the, the object of, of our affection to being a vessel for God. That it's not about simply being careful with the things that this world it's about being careful with the commands of God. And, mm. and when we were talking, when you went into verse 4, man, when I saw you light up, I thought, I just want the world to see that, yeah. really and truly. Mm. So when you hear that, what does it look like to be careful with the things of God? What, what does God do as he sets it up in verse 4 through 9? Well, that's exactly what he talks about here, is, is the things that we should be careful about. And I love that word careful because it means to be full of what? Care, to be full of care. Yeah. Full, that means there's nothing, nothing else in there but care. Yeah. It's, very, it's something to be concerned. And so he really tells us why we should be full of care mm-hmm. and then what we should be full of care about. And he says why in verse 4. So look with me, church, at verse 4. And he explains why we should be full of care. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And so we find in that verse that there's really two reasons for us to be full of care. About the commands of God. Number one, it's because of who God is. And number two, it's because of who we are. When you consider who God is, he gives us three words that help us understand that. Notice he says he's God. And, you know, it's easy to pass that by. It's easy to move on because, you know, we live in such a busy, fast-paced world. It's easy to lose sight of that. But God says what? Be still and know that I'm God. Right? He says, uh, John Triplett was sharing Saturday. He says, wait Mm -hmm. upon the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, church, this morning that as we look at this and as we consider why this is important, we need to stop. We need to pause. We need to consider who God is because that is, is why we should be, have great concern. You know, this really came home to me when I was driving to California um, a long time ago. I was in college, and um, it was late at night. I was in the desert mountains of Arizona uh, middle of the night, and we stopped, we pulled over to the side of the road just to kind of get our legs freshened and stop for a minute. And as soon as I stepped out of the car, I was struck by this understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I, as I walked out, into the, out of the car, I could see from horizon to horizon, nothing but stars. I've never seen that before. You, has anybody ever experienced that? Mm-hmm. I have a couple of people. I mean, I haven't seen it since. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. From horizon to horizon, I couldn't take it all in. 
I mean, I could look at the stars over here, and I could look at the stars over here, and I could look at the stars here, but I, but I couldn't back up enough to see all the stars. And in that moment, I was like, wow, God, you're God. You're big. You're amazing. Perhaps some of you have seen that. Perhaps it's been in the, in the beauty of his creation. Uh, Kim Farrell shared about a waterfall. Her, her daughter drew a picture of a waterfall because she saw the presence of God there. She felt close to him in that, in that moment, in that beauty, or in that, that loud noise of a, of a waterfall. So we get a sense of who God is, but he doesn't stop there. He also gives us another word for it. It says he is, the Lord is our God. And when you hear the word Lord, you need to think of the word Yahweh. That's his name. Mm -hmm. You remember when, when, when uh, Moses asked God. God, you know, God was sending Moses to the Israelites. And, and uh, Moses says, Lord, who should I say is sending me? What is your name? Right. And what did God say? He said, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And that's the word here, the Lord. That's the word Yahweh. And what does that mean? I am that I am. Well, that means that words can't, can't capture who he is. Words can't begin to describe him. All your words will fail you. Nothing in creation can get at his essence. I mean, we can see him truly in this world, but we cannot see him fully. He cannot be contained. He is holy and he is righteous and he is, he is the very ground of being. Romans 11 says, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. That's the God we serve. I got a sense of this when I was in California and I experienced an earthquake. And I tell you, how many of y'all ever been in an earthquake? A few of you? That's weird. I mean, when, I first, when it first happened, I thought, what's happening here? Is this me? I, 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 something's going on with me. But then things began to fall around me. And I thought, oh, no, this is an earthquake. Hmm. And boy, talk about feeling vulnerable. I mean, I felt like at any moment the ground could just open up and eat me up. I ran outside, I hugged a tree, but that didn't help because it was shaking too. <laughs> I couldn't get away from it. That's our God. He's the ground of being. He's the essence of existence. He is the one who is our God. So yeah, we should be careful about this. When he speaks, when he gives us something to do, we should really pay a lot of attention. It also, though, says the third thing. It says that he's our God, he's the Lord Yahweh, and he is one. And that speaks of his holiness. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes and wonders, the song. You know, I got a sense of that in Isaiah. You know, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. He saw his throne, and he saw the seraphim above his throne. Come on, come on. You remember that? I do. Come on. Yeah. And we, the angels, what did they have? That's right. The angels had three wings, three wings. right? Yeah. Three wings. And with two wings, they covered their eyes. And with two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they flew. And all they could say was, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's all I can say. They were just blown away by this holy God that is like nothing else in existence. He is holy. So yeah, we should give great care to this. But he goes on to tell us what we should be concerned about in the next few verses. And that's in verses um, 5 and following. So these are the commands. These are the things we should be concerned about. Look at verse 5 with me. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So the first command there is that we should love God. And I want you to know what's interesting about this is, is, is he says you shall love. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts right. about it. There's no debate about it. This is going to happen. God is your God and you shall love him. It's not really even you ought to love him. You will love him. Yes. And see, the way that works yes. is as you get to know him, you fall in love with him. Come on. 
Come on. Can I hear an amen, please? Amen. Isn't that true? Have you come to know him? Have you come to see the beauty that is our God? Because as soon as you see that, what's going to happen? You're going to fall in love with him. The Bible says we love, why? Because he first loved us. And as we understand his grace and as we understand his glory, we fall in love with this great God that we have. He says you shall love him. It's natural. It's as natural as water flowing downhill. So we should love him. And it says you should love him with all your heart. That means there's no peace. There's no part. There's no thing. It's an all-consuming love. It, it, it covers all the other loves in your life. It consumes them. And we need to be careful because Calvin says that our hearts are, are idol makers. And we, we tend to love things more than we love God. And God calls us here to love him more than anything. That all the things that we love, we hold with an open hand. And say, Lord, is this in line with you? Is this what you want? And then we love God through those things that we love. So our teachers, as you guys are here this morning, this is the admonition for us. We're loving those kids through, we're loving God through loving those kids. As we deal with those kids, as we discipline them, as we, as we nurture them, as we teach them, as we walk with them to the cafeteria. And I understand the PK3 lunchtime is going to be real interesting <laughs> tomorrow. It'll be my first time with PK3 lunch. We're going to love them in that lunchroom. We're going to love them in the things that we teach and in the way that we teach. We are loving him. And brothers and sisters, if you're in the secular school, if you're in the public school, you're loving him too there. Amen. You're to love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. Through your ministry to those kids that are there. Through talking to people as you are able to. And the beautiful thing about Eagle Heights is we, as we love him in chapel, and as we love him in class, and as we love him when we pray before class, and throughout the day, and in the lunchroom, as we're loving him, we're drawing these kids to love him with us. And brothers and sisters, you in the public schools and in the secular schools, that's the same thing for you too. As, as God allows you, as he enables you, I encourage you and admonish you to love him with all your heart. And as much as, as you are able, draw others into that love with you. So he says we should love him with all of our heart. And it says heart, soul, and might. And heart is, is our inner person. You know, Paul says, I pray that you be strengthened in the inner man so that you might know the depth of his love. It, it's, it's that inward part of us that, that makes all of our choices, that thinks and feels. God says, Jesus said that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. That's where we live is in our heart. And that's where we need to be loving him first. But then he says in our soul. Have you ever seen, thought about the soul? The soul is really the, the totality of your life. It, 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 it's your habits. Yeah. It's your hobbies. It's your, it's your work. It's your relationships. It, it's all the things and all the pieces that make up who you are. God says, out of all these things, you need to be loving me in all these things and through all these things. All the pieces of your life. And so that's what we're doing at Eagle Heights. As we're teaching math, we're talking about how God is a rational God, and that's why we have a rational universe, and that's why we can, obtain, we can understand things through rationality. We're worshiping him in history as we see the, the sin of man, as we see the things that man is building, when we say, what is Scripture? How does Scripture compare to that? We're loving him in what we teach. 
And you guys in, in the public schools can be loving him also through what you teach. You're, you're, not, you're not as able to, love, to do the things that we get to do here. I understand that. But God has placed you there to be a witness and to be a light. And so love him through the things that you're teaching. And with everything you do, through the excellence of your teaching. And then we have, we have ditch diggers. And we have uh, salesmen here. And we have uh, engineers. And all kinds. God calls us to love God through everything that we do. So he says heart, soul, and then with your might. With everything that you have. We're to love him. But he goes on to tell you about uh, not only should we love him, he tells us another thing in, in verses 7 through 9, and that is to be saturated with his word. Look at what it says. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your hearts, and the houses, and your gates." You're to be saturated with the word of God. That's what he's saying here. Saturate yourself with the word of God. What's interesting here is he says, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. How do you saturate yourself with the word of God? First off, you put it on your heart. It's what you think about throughout the day. You know, when I was a teacher uh, or when I was an assistant principal, uh, I, did, I had to do car duty. And car duties pretty much was, was, we had a bunch of cars coming in, and so I'd have to bring the cars through, and, and, and there was some downtime. And, and also, the hallways are long, and, and guys at Eagle Hodge, y'all are going to see me doing this too. But I would keep scripture in my pocket. Why? Because I depend upon it, because it comforts me, because it instructs me on how to live. Some of you may have seen me doing it here. I've been, I've been carrying around 2 Corinthians 12 with me throughout the days. But I would pull it out, you know, while I'm doing this stuff, and I would be thinking about it because I wanted to, to, you know, I couldn't do it the whole time, but, but it was there so that I could keep it in my head. And now, what did that say? Let me go back and look at it one more time. Okay. And I'd put it back in my pocket. And that's what God is telling us to do. You know, he says in Psalms 1, what does he say? He said, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the pathway of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he does what? He meditates day and night. He says in Joshua 1.8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Then you will be careful so that you will be careful to do all that is in it. Then you will, your plans will have success and you'll make your way prosperous. That word meditate is the idea of chewing the cud. You know, the cows, they have these four stomachs in them. And so what happens is a cow will take some, some grass, he'll chew on it, he'll swallow it, and then he'll regurgitate it. He'll chew on it some more, and he'll regurgitate it. He'll come up and chew it some more. That's what God is saying here. It'll be on your heart. It's what you're thinking about. It's showing you how to live. It's what you depend upon for your sustenance. It's what gives you strength in the day. It's on your heart. Then it says, um, let's see, you shall, you shall teach them diligently. Now, I want you to understand, the church, this, this first comes to the parents. This, this is said to parents. Yeah. Yeah. That you're to be setting aside time. And the question is, are you teaching your children diligently? Are you teaching them the word of God? Not just seeing it in your life, but explicitly yeah. sharing with them the word of God. Helping them to learn, to grow up in the things of God. Yeah. He says, parents, you should teach them. And, and Eagle Heights is, 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 is positioned to assist you in that. Melody was, was saying, you know, when we were talking about this past, she said, you know, I kinda, a light bulb just came on. 
Because really, we're doing this. Mm. I mean, as we're driving in the car, you know, the, the, the parent is reviewing the, the, the memory verse with the kiddo. And the kiddo gets out and comes. And then we, we work on it in the classroom. Mm. And we're talking about it throughout the day. And we're applying it to the things that we're learning. And they go home and they have a home devotion. I mean, it's always around them. So he says, you shall teach them diligently, and that's explicitly. And some of you say, well, I'm in, I'm in the secular school. And I, I, can't, I can't teach it diligently like that. But yes, you can. Because you're the Bible that they're reading. Yeah. Have you ever considered that? Some of your kids have, don't even know John 3.16. And when they come to school and they see who you are, and they see that the word of God is embedded in your heart, it's just going to come out. And you become the Bible that they're reading. Yes. So this is an encouragement to teachers. And it's an encouragement to all of us that we should teach them diligently. And then he says you should be saturated. You should talk about it. When should we talk about it, church? When? Right. All the time. When you, what does it say? When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's something you're talking about. I got to meet a, a poor Ah, it's a hard name because it's new to me. Porfidio, thank you. I, got, I met Porfidio this morning, and he was, he was in there. He was just reading the scriptures. And I said, hey, what are you reading? And he just started telling me about it. He's reading Revelation, and, and then he was going to show me where, where uh, he was reading prior to that. And then John came up and interrupted us, but it was okay. But, <laughs> but that, that's what we talk about because it's on our heart. You know, Spurgeon said our blood should be bibbling. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it, we're saturated. We, we surround ourselves with it. And that, if you look, walk around the church, what are you going to see? You're going to see the word of God on the walls. Mm -hmm. you're gonna, and, and I hope that when I go into your house, I would see it on your house. I'd see mm -hmm. it on the mirror because mm -hmm. you're memorizing scripture. You're thinking through it. So it's something that we're saturated with. That's the command. Be saturated with my word. We're to be people of the book. People Amen. of the word of God. Amen. He says you shall bind it as a sign on your hand. And I guarantee you, you walk into school with this, it's going to be a sign. Mm. You go into 24 and do your, do your exercises, and I used to do this. I, I need to do it more now, but, but maybe after school gets started, I can, I can start, get started again. But you go into your athletic place, and you go work out. You put that down. You do your bench presses, and then you pick it back up, and you say, now, what was I thinking about? Well, how does this go? It's going to be a sign. You bind it as a sign on your hand. It's always in your hand because it's always on your heart because you're always thinking about it. Right. He says those should be frontals on your forehead. You know yes. what a frontal is? Yeah. Right here, is that what you're the little things they tie. Well, oh. well, now that's that's the application that that's the, the Jews made. Yeah, which yeah, is, yeah. But really, frontals are these things. It's, it's the like things the they put on horses. They're blinders. blinders. It's the things that keeps like the horse it. from being distracted. It. it keeps the horse from being afraid, from being startled. Mm. Does the Word of God not do that for us? Oh it God. keeps him focused, looking straight ahead. And let me show you something come else. On, come on. Literally, when I'm reading the Bible, doesn't it look like frontals? It would look even more so if I had a scroll. I put a scroll up to my face. It looks like frontal. He says, they, this word is going to be like a frontal on your forehead. So, church, this is, the, this is the encouragement to us. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And be saturated in his word. And so the, the substance of this command that, that goes to the Eagle Heights teachers first yeah. is really found in verse 4 and verse 7. In verse 4... I want to encourage you. We're loving God in everything that we do. We're loving him as we minister to these kids, as we have relationships with them and with our coworkers. We're loving him in the things that we teach. We're loving him when we're cleaning up the mess from the PK3 lunch. We're loving him through those things. 
And then we're teaching his word. It's not an addition. It's not added on. It's not another thing to teach. It's embedded in everything we do because he's the foundation of knowledge. Everything comes back to him. Everything relates back to him. And for those of you in public, I encourage you the same way. Those teachers that are out there in the foreign land, they're in a foreign place. They're in a place of secular humanism. I encourage you, love God while you're there. He's put you there. Be a faithful witness while you're there. And love the kids that he brings to you. And secondly, be saturated in his word to the point that it comes out of your heart. And you are the Bible that they're reading. So, so Pastor, that, that, that's, I mean, this is so powerful for me and for us. Yeah. Because, and, and for our teachers and for our educators as well as for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Now, I was reading, so catch this and what you just said. It's funny, I've always used the pictures of those frontals as the word submission. Hmm. So in scripture, when it talks about the word submission, it means power under control. Hmm. Meekness. Yeah, and I often think of those blinders being on a horse. Hmm. It says God has made you specific, and he's hmm. called all of your power, all that you are, to focus forward. Hmm. And we see that in our marriage relationships. Hmm. When we see that in our Christian relationships and our duties, we start to understand that all that the world tells us who we are, I am a teacher, I am a principal, I am... Uh, a, a, a worker, an engineer, I am a father. That, Ditch th- th- those aren't your identities. That's, mm-hmm. that's the fourth. God, is, God has given you that mm-hmm. as an avenue to move forward towards mm-hmm. him and to place everything towards mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. In Psalm chapter 78, it says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark, dark sayings of old. Now catch this. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we mm-hmm. will not hide them mm-hmm. from their children. Mm-hmm. And we, but we will tell them to the coming generation of the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and wonders and, and what he has done. You know, that doesn't happen by just living a Christian life, hmm. right? So it's if, intentional. If, if you got nothing else, if you saw nothing else but the witness of Murray Billingsley today, you, you see a man that, that holds, holds dear a calling that God has given him to walk in the faith to be the example of Christ Jesus to those around him. And so in that, you, you start to see this passion, this power, and you start to say, I'm, Omar works out at the gym. I'm going to start challenging him. Like, are you going to put your phone on the ground and, and, and we'll call that the Murray? Like, it's, how, Take your whole body. How, how do I let God's word come into me like that? Yeah. Now, here's the difference, and it's why you have passion. It's why Omar was talking about. This is the difference between what you are talking about, what we talked about, and what you read. I want you to know, church, you are not in the same spot as the people in Deuteronomy. Maria, I'm going to let you, so I'm going to walk away from you for a second here. You're not in the same place. Do you understand that? You're thankful that you're not living, and I'm not living in Deuteronomy chapter 6 with a people who have not yet experienced a temporary picture or vision of what God says is coming. You see, this was to get them mindful of the promised land, right? The promised land was never going to be the final home for God's people, ever. And yet, yet the Lord took time in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to be so careful to say that when you go, you're going to possess this land flowing with milk and honey. And when you're living the land of milk and honey, this needs to be what your life looks like. It needs to be so centered, so saturated with me, that every relationship that you have, that's all people see. That if you have a gift, if you have a call, it's amazing, wonderful. Put it to use. 
But it's all focused around the Lord. You see, the Bible says this in verse 10. After he says, this is what's happening. This is where it's coming from. In verse 10 he says, and when the Lord your God brings. See, before the people ever arrived, the Lord wanted his people to know that he is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. So saturate your life with the Lord. Why? Well, we could go to the negative. The Bible says in verse 11 and verse 12, hey, listen, when you get there, be careful. Keep being careful. Verse 12 says it this way. Take care lest you forget who brought you out of the land. You see, if, if you and I don't understand that we are living in the promise, we could forget. In your scripture, and we won't read it all here. I want you to go home and read it. It says, you're going to move into houses that you didn't build. You're going to eat from fruit you didn't plant. Why? Because God has prepared the way before you. If, if you're an educator in this room, if you work in our school districts in any capacity, if you're teaching in a home school, if you're working here at Eagle Heights, I want you to know if you claim Christ, if you will just align your life with him, how? Well, Mary just articulated it. If you just align your life with him, you will see he's already made the way. He's already gone before you. All the conversations you're going to have, all the trials you're going to face. I remember getting a call from my wife one day, walking out of public school. She's teaching, and there's a father there waiting to threaten her. Man, the Lord's got to go before her. In that moment, she says, my, my heart's racing. And then, praise God, the largest teacher on campus, this great big friend of ours named Charles, comes walking up behind. The Lord's already prepared the way. You're going to come up against challenges in this world. But the Lord will bring you through because you're his. We read that this week. He's your landing space when you're tempted, when trials come upon you. So listen, you don't have to worry, but you have to be careful. Not careful not to step on someone's toes, but to be careful to do the things the Lord has told you, lest you forget. You are not alone. You did not create your calling. My brother when I graduated high school and, and I got married, I had a, a ring that I wore in my hand. It was our promise ring. It was a thing that I was given a long time ago to remind me that I had a promise in Jesus Christ. And I was making a promise that the, the woman that God would put before me was worth more than any relationship or thrill that I would want to seek until that point. When I got married, I didn't wear it anymore and I didn't have children. So I gave it to my younger brother. Five years younger, and I said, hey, Derek, this, this is my ring, and it reminded me of God's promise for me. It reminded me of, of what he had in store for me, and I know God has a promise for you, and so I gave him the ring also. And it's funny, I'm 43 now, my younger brother is 38, and we were on the phone the other day, and he said, David, I still wear that ring. 
So because there are many times in life where I can see the world is coming at me. And I just feel like when I spin it, he's going to spin it on my finger. I'm reminded that the God that I serve is greater than the temptation or the struggle I'm in. And I'm mindful that I'm not alone because I know, I know you're there for me. Dads, moms, teachers, God has given you a legacy to pass on that's way more important than your, than your tasks or education or your love of, of sports or universities. It's the legacy of the Lord that is fulfilled in Christ Jesus that we are to take care for until we see him face to face. So here's the invitation today, because I don't want you to forget. And, and if you're a mom or a dad in here, and I want to talk specifically to dads, husbands, our invitation will begin. And when we start to sing, I'm going to ask you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to understand who the fulfillment of the promises that we just talked about is. His name is Jesus. And if you want to come up, we'll start the conversation and then we'll continue it on. Because you need to know that there's a God of promises who loves you. But during our time of invitation, I want to challenge you. Our students need to be prepared as they go into school tomorrow. Dads, have you ever laid your hand on your son or your daughter and prayed for them as they've gone into the mission field before school? If you haven't, I want to encourage you to respond that way. Moms, have you put your hands on your children? Spouses, have you prayed over one another? If you're married to an educator in this room, that would be my request for your response. If you love Jesus Christ, would you be willing to put your hand on your shoulder and just ordain them under the promise that Christ has already given? We'll have a time of praying over all of our teachers. Maybe you don't have anyone in those situations. I want to encourage you. The altar will be open. We need to saturate our teachers here at Eagle Heights in our public schools and in our home schools. And it starts here. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. This morning we come before you knowing and believing that you are a God of promises. Lord, not just a single promise, but a generational promise for your people from the beginning you had in mind the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You do not abandon us. You do not forsake us, Lord. You are the God of promises. So, Lord, as we have our time of response today, Lord, there may be someone that needs to know what that promise looks like in Jesus Christ for them right now. Lord, would you show it to them? But, Lord, this place may be full of men and women who claim Christ that need to pray your goodness, your promise over their family, and then they need to keep living it carefully. So that the promise isn't just words in a moment, but an investment in the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.